Welcome to New Covenant Conversations, Season 2, and we are continuing with Episode 2. I'm your host, Gary Elliott, joined by my son, Stuart. We're in the conversation about the Holy Trinity and covenant theology. Uh, We're hoping to introduce that in a way that gets your attention. Uh, It's a very important and foundational study, one that perhaps is not as familiar uh, to those who are are interested in covenant theology. So, Stuart, uh, how about a recap and uh, comments on uh, the episode one that we introduced last time? Yeah, yeah. Um, So, it's uh, good to see you again, and... um... It, it's uh, good to continue this conversation as well. Uh, so we are kind of working through um, a position paper that you've written um, and that we're posting uh, bits of uh, on the website, um, nccombo.com. And um, this first section is uh, an apology, um, which if there are those who might not be familiar with that word, um, it doesn't mean you're asking somebody to forgive you or anything. It's it's a Greek word that... Um, that uh, it means to make a defense or kind of give a, a a statement of of reason, a reason defense. And so, this apology section is defending, um, you know, kind of why this is an important topic to discuss. Um, and this first episode, uh, we tried to bring out um, as we work through the the apology uh, that the church has been entrusted with. Um, some really important doctrines and uh, treasures, really. Um, and you brought out the uh, that that parable from Matthew's gospel that um, you know God's uh, scribes and um, teachers in the church have been entrusted, like those who've been entrusted with a uh, watching over their house and being custodians of their house. And um, in that house are, are treasures, <laughs> um, things new and things old. Um, and so the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those treasures that's been given to the church. And um, and so one of the, my big takeaways from our conversation was that as we formulate and discuss um, any theological matter, but particularly for our purposes, covenant theology, um, it's really important to ensure that we're guarding those treasures um, and, uh, and in the way in which we formulate covenant theology, um, ought to be in service to, um, the truths that we already hold truths about the Trinity truths about who God is and who he's revealed himself to be as father, son, and Holy spirit. Um, and, uh, in the development of covenant theology, um, that's a big conversation and there are, um, s- some different approaches to how to um, as to how to how to um, allow those things to interact, covenant theology and the doctrine of the covenants and the doctrine of the Trinity, um, and that's what we're trying to unpack a bit and um, and and maybe tease out uh, some different approaches that have been um, uh, put forward in the past and uh, maybe our um, critique of of some of those. Um, and also, hopefully, uh, a, a way that's um, both biblical and understandable um, that we can um, put forward as well. So there's a lot more to talk about, um, but that might be a quick rundown of, of what we're about in these in these uh, first two conversations. What do you yeah, think I about that? Yeah, I appreciated last time uh, we were discussing this, and you brought up that uh, 
oftentimes in the history of the church, it's when there are disputes and discussions, sometimes challenges that arise, Mm -hmm. that we formulate more clearly particular issues. And uh, we talked about the histocracy of the doctrine uh, of the Trinity, particularly our commitment to the uh, historical Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. uh, as um, presented to us through creeds and confessions and mm-hmm. passed down from uh, generation to generation. So we're, we're looking to maintain uh, the integrity of that Orthodox doctrine of the Trinity and see how it interacts with the developments of covenantal theology. Uh, covenantal mm-hmm. theology coming you know, much later to the scene, although it's been around mm-hmm. uh, and sort of had a resurgence. And we're actually going to talk about some of those various perspectives, and mm-hmm. we'll be giving examples uh, as we get into the body of the content uh, of, this, uh, of this series, mm-hmm. uh, of the, this season. Um, but for now, we're setting out what we think are some important considerations um, that this is not just uh, academic or uh, intellectual uh, kind of banter, Mm -hmm. uh, that we are wanting to present substantive um, application that grounds us in our Christian faith and life. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to look and be consistent with what Scripture teaches uh, and also uh, find some of our boundaries uh, that relate to doctrinal studies um, when we talk about a reformulation of covenant theology schema, uh, we said that it starts by recognizing that the scripture use of the term covenant presents a pattern and changing content. Mm. Uh, that may be a challenge to people, but I thought about some examples that may be helpful. For example, we talk about um, the covenantal pattern that presents to us uh, the um, sign of circumcision mm-hmm. uh, to Abraham. Well, as we go along in the biblical development in reference to covenant theology and the new covenant, we have a covenantal pattern, but we have a changing content from circumcision to baptism. Right. Uh, we could say the same thing about uh, the covenantal pattern and practice that was given to Moses. Uh, it's the same pattern. We can identify those elements. We see the uh, Passover, for example. But then we come to the new covenant in Christ, and we have changing content. The covenantal pattern is there, but the mm-hmm. content changes from Passover to the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. uh, and that being so explicitly connected mm-hmm. uh, by way of fulfillment of the new covenant. Christ, our Passover, is mm-hmm. is sacrificed for us. You know, right. the Lamb of God. Um, in a much broader uh, perspective, and one that is uh, just um, cannot be understated is the transition from Old Covenant worship to New Covenant worship. Mm -hmm. And that is in the context of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about covenantal worship, but covenantal worship, according to its pattern, and we can trace out those elements of the pattern, and covenantal worship has dramatically changed in content from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, so that the writer of the Hebrews even says it's better. Right. Uh, right. It's a better covenant with better promises, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, a reformulation of co- of the covenant theological schema starts by not trying to define the term covenant. Uh, in uh, season one, we got into some discussion about uh, everyone trying to define covenant and have their own working definition of covenant, mm-hmm. and I think that's a 
mistake. I think that directs us the wrong way Mm -hmm. because then it seems that from that there's an attempt to fit everything into that particular, you know, um, uh, definition definition of covenant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and and of course there are elements. We're going to talk about the elements of the covenant that are mm-hmm. identifiable. Yeah, and, and I I think you and I talked a little bit about a working definition. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like that kind of approach. But yeah. I really want to, I guess, uh, give that apology or that defense of uh, presenting the covenant as a pattern with changing mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is related to our discussion about the Holy Trinity because covenant is not of the essence of God's nature. Mm-hmm. And covenant is not an attribute of God. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about the fact that there are uh, non-communicable and communicable attributes of God, uh, love being one of the most important. Love is an attribute of God. Covenant is not. But God manifests and demonstrates his love through covenant. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about how those things relate. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we should also point out that uh, when we're talking about the historic Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity, uh, that involves categories. Um, a lot of this we mentioned involves uh, Latin terminology because that was what was current and was the language of the, the church uh, during that period. And those Latin terms and phrases are very useful. They're just not very familiar to us. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, of course, we want to be able to define and explain what those mean and then apply them for how they're useful to mm-hmm. our study and to the questions about God's relationship as the Trinity to covenant theology. Uh, so we acknowledge the historic Orthodox uh, Christian categories of God's decree or decrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this has to do with what's called the external works of God. Uh, and, and yet these are, in the external works of God, um, these are the, from the interaction of the Holy Trinity. Uh, they are the relationship and the resolve uh, of, the, of the Holy Trinity. One of the, uh, I guess, repeated descriptions that um, we'll be using is that it's a... Um, a mutual resolve of equal ultimacy between the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit without necessity, redundancy, or subordination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that may sound like a mouthful, <laughs> but as we begin to, as you say, unpack, mm-hmm. I think that will become very apparent mm-hmm. uh, of how, how important that is. Right. Um, so um, as we consider... The relationship between the Holy Trinity and covenant theology; uh, these two points, I think, are really a matter of getting our our head around, and that is that covenant to us in Scripture presents a pattern with changing content, mm-hmm. and that when we apply and when we study the relationship between the Holy Trinity and that covenantal pattern. We understand that covenant is not of the essence of God's nature. Mm-hmm. It's not an attribute of God, mm-hmm. nor is covenant a decree of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it finds its place in the outworking, mm-hmm. what we refer to as the external works of the of the Trinity that are revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and historically, uh, that has been acknowledged in terms of the decree of God, the comprehensive works and decree and purpose of God in terms of creation, providence, uh, predestination, and election. Mm -hmm. Covenant is not a decree. 
So uh, as we're making that distinction, then um, would you give uh, or do you have uh, a parallel um, of something that um, that is a means that God uses, um, but that is not itself uh, a decree um, along the lines of providence um, and uh, or or election or the other decrees? Um, is there something else that we can kind of parallel and say this is like covenant um, as well? Well, we will look specifically at the covenantal order that is revealed. Uh, and when we get into those specifics uh, in terms of Adam before the fall mm-hmm. and then the covenantal developments uh, after original sin uh, leading up to and the the fulfillment of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be very specific, and that's very um, clearly biblically revealed mm-hmm. and scripturally revealed. Uh, I think, and this is probably the main thesis of this uh, position paper and our conversation, I'm going to be arguing that the Council of Peace, mm-hmm. as is uh, the prophecy in Zechariah, the Council of Peace supplies us the link between the decree of God mm. and the works of God okay. that uh, are sometimes labeled the Pactum Salutis mm-hmm. or the Compact of Salvation, mm-hmm. the Plan of Salvation, and the Covenant of Redemption. Sure. Now, in my reformulation in our conversations of that theological schema, uh, I am locating the um, Compact of Salvation, the Covenant of Redemption, in the works of the Holy Trinity and not in the decrees. Okay. And not in the inter-Trinitarian Council. Yeah. Uh, again, I know those um, those are fine points, and yeah. I don't want to mm-hmm. lose folks that are interested. I don't want to lose them <laughs> in, in, in the fine points. Not quite yet, um, anyways. No, not quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I could back up a little bit and say that um, when we talk about the biblical revealed uh, pattern of the covenant, that which is scripturally identifiable and repeated for us. Um, there are some uh, concepts that are connected with that. Uh, when we talk about linguistically, mm-hmm. what are the terms that are used? What What are the words? The word before in in season one, you and I talked about the biblical words and the code words, mm-hmm. you know, that are used in the Bible for covenant. But here are some concepts that are connected to that idea, and and I think this is important because we cannot just ch- change those concepts and sort of redefine covenant Mm -hmm. uh, to our own purposes. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about covenant, it involves hierarchy. Uh, Every every, uh, suggestion, every connection, every, uh, um, what am I trying to say, reference, I guess, Mm. (laughs) to covenant involves hierarchy. Uh, It involves an exercise of power. Mm. It involves delegated authority, subordination, Terms, conditionality, consequences. Mm. Now, that floats all around the biblical meaning of covenant. So, Dad, would you make a distinction here? Um, can there e- ever be a covenant between equals? As I understand it, not in the biblical use of the term covenant. Okay. And that's where things like contract and compact okay. be- begin uh being applied to this concern. And that's one of the big debates. Yeah, It's a very big debate, and it, and it works its way out in particular views sure. in terms of covenant theology. If it's an agreement between equals, or mm-hmm. if it's a friendship, or if it's a voluntary. Mm-hmm. But in all biblical okay. um, 
expressions and references to covenant, uh, we have hierarchy, exercise of power, delegated authority, subordination, terms, conditions, and consequences. Mm-hmm. Now, other terms may be used. Yeah. And, and we'll actually get into some disputes about, well, can you simply say that these are synonymous terms? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I argue that you can't. If okay. we're going to be precise with you know biblical language and, okay. and meaning. Uh, let me go on to say that when we talk about those concepts that are inherent in the covenant idea, what we have are revealed elements. Uh, this is when I talk about the pattern of covenant. Th- this is clearly revealed. We can we can uh, trace this out. We can see it repeated. We can identify it. And so when we talk about the elements that make up a biblical covenant, we're talking about promises, mm-hmm. oaths, mm-hmm. visible, tangible pledges predicated mm-hmm. on faith or violated in unbelief mm-hmm. for future inheritance or judgment. So... Those are the elements that are interactive. It's repeated. It's identifiable. It's repeated. And so my perspective and my argument is that uh, we be consistent with the biblical, um, um, what am I trying to say? Pattern. <laughs> the, the pattern the, elements. The biblical evidence, I guess, yeah, is what sure. I'm trying to The biblical evidence that yeah. identifies for us what a covenant is. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to be bound by that, really, in our uh, exegeting scripture and our making application. And we're not at liberty to simply reinterpret or re-define um, mm-hmm. our idea of covenant. Yeah, yeah. So, um, with that being said, then um, for 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 those who might approach covenant in a broader sense and say. Okay, well, it seems like there may be examples of covenant that um, that that are broader than that that pattern, broader than those elements. Um, would you make a distinction, or how would you distinguish that and say yes? Okay, there 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 may be instances of um, of relationships that are broader um, than than some of the particular elements that that we're identifying with the biblical covenants. Um, where does that fit in? Um, how would you? So, for instance, like David and Jonathan. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so would you would you call that a kind of sub covenant, or would you say we really need a better way of of describing what's going on there to distinguish it from um, the the biblical or or maybe divine covenants that we're talking about? Well, I think your last uh, point there, or, or last reference, is to divine covenant. Yeah. There's a difference between divine covenant and then human covenants yeah. that may take up elements or practices. I mean, we, we have, mm-hmm. I think we mentioned last time, references of um, counterfeit mm-hmm. covenants in mm-hmm. Isaiah. Those who say they made a covenant yeah. with death. Well, that's a counterfeit covenant because they have no authority mm-hmm. or power to enforce mm-hmm. it. Uh, remember those who took up a, an oath uh, to assassinate the Apostle Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, you know, that's an oath, but mm-hmm. it's a profane oath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Peter you know, swore and, mm-hmm. and denied the Lord mm-hmm. uh, in a in a profane oath. Um, yeah. We have in the Epistle to the Hebrews uh, a use of the term in reference to uh, a last will and testament mm-hmm. among among human practice. Uh, Paul in Galatians says, "If it is but a man's covenant, you know, mm-hmm. a human practice, a human covenant." Mm-hmm. So the Bible distinguishes between what is a divine covenant mm-hmm. and in a very significant way. Uh, to start out with, God has the power to enforce God has the power to fulfill mm. God has the power to do what he promises to do. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. so that, that mm-hmm. I think, would be a very big uh, demarcation. And the fact yeah. that even the term covenant uh, is used, whether it's in Hebrew or Greek, in a relationship between humans doesn't throw us a curveball. It doesn't undermine what we're saying. It shows an application. Yeah. And uh, it also makes a distinction that yeah. human covenants, as Paul says, even though it's a man's covenant, uh, human covenants are not on the same level mm-hmm. as divine covenant. Right. Uh, even though they may share some overlapping and may help illustrate yeah. some important points for us. Good. Yeah, that's um, good. That's helpful. So uh, I think, too, um, and we mentioned this last time, but I want to reemphasize it here, that this approach recognizes that covenant or covenants is revealed as a means of God's condescension mm-hmm. in the fulfillment of his promised works and his decrees uh, originated and implemented by uh, the Holy Trinity. So it's God's um, originated, God's designed means of condescending mm-hmm. the connection, the, the relationship between the uncreated creator and his created image bearers is so vast, uh, to paraphrase the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, we could have no fruition or blessedness of God as our reward, mm-hmm. but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he has been pleased to make by way of covenant. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that statement in the confession, and it is very much the outworking of, of this particular perspective on a reformulation of the covenant theological schema that recognizes covenant as the means mm-hmm. by which God's condescension is revealed to us and that his essence, his attributes, and his decrees are then revealed, fulfilled, and work, you know, worked out and fulfilled. Right, um, right. And the yeah. Council of Peace is the hinge <laughs> between mm-hmm. those two, uh, the Intertrinitarian Council mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the works of God at intra that are within mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity's deliberation, and then the ad extra works mm-hmm. that reveal the will and purposes of God made known to us. Mm. Um, and, and let me just back up and say, too, one of the um, strong uh, arguments in reference to saying that the Holy Trinity is not covenantal in essence or in attribute or in counsel is that there is no subordination. Right, yeah. You know, there's no necessity, redundancy, or subordination right. between the persons of the Holy Trinity. So um, so that you've introduced a couple of uh, some of those Latin words, ad, ad intra, ad extra. Um, it might be worth just spending a couple of, of minutes right now to try to um, unpack what, what those mean. We've talked a little bit about, about how to understand those terms and maybe what to associate with them with um, when we're talking about um, particularly Trinitarian categories of, you know, God's eminence, you know, his essence mm-hmm. and his, mm-hmm. his work um, mm-hmm. or his, his, uh, the things that, you know, revealed external to his essence, to his being, his works. Um, so how would you, how would you kind of uh, unpack that and, and lay out those categories um, so that, so that we can have a, a good idea of, of what we're dealing with? As we move forward, with the okay. In our historic Orthodox Trinitarian um, doctrine, we talk about the Concilium Day, the Council of God, and we refer this to the imminent relationship and communications 
between the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are unrevealed, that are secret. Mm -hmm. God doesn't reveal everything to us. We don't have the capacity to fully comprehend who God is in the purity of his essence. Um, And so we acknowledge there is otherness Mm -hmm. in terms of who God is. It's unrevealed. It's unknowable. Mm -hmm. We don't have the capacity or the the sameness Mm -hmm. in which to experience or know that that gets um, back to that creator creature distinction that we it does it, we, yes it does and so there is a category in our orthodox trinitarian doctrine that acknowledges that that god is other mm-hmm. that god is imminent in himself and, and whatever his communication will and works are they're secret mm-hmm. they're not revealed um and so it's a matter then in terms of our historic christian faith that we trust god mm-hmm that what God has revealed of himself is trustworthy for what is unknown about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is an, another discussion in terms of Trinitarian uh, doctrine and dispute. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it is germane to you know the conversation we're having, but it's just not uh, particular to our, our discussion. Yeah. So in acknowledging the uh, otherness of God, the Holy Trinity, in his divine counsel unto himself, unrevealed and secret. We then also acknowledge the uh, works of God that are external. Mm-hmm. Now, this gets a little bit uh, um, <laughs> challenging, I guess you would say here, <laughs> because when we talk about the works of God that are external, there are two categories mm-hmm. in which we acknowledge that there are the intra Trinitarian council works of God that are not revealed to us. We refer to these as the decrees. Mm -hmm. Uh, God doesn't reveal to us his deliberations Mm -hmm. between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit about the decree Mm -hmm. of creation. He tell uh, what is revealed to us, and this is the other uh, part of that. That's Mm -hmm. the outworking, the Mm -hmm. ad extra, Mm -hmm. the revealed works of God is that God created. God created ex nihilo. God created out of nothing. God created by the word of his power. And then we have detailed information from Scripture about that creation. Mm-hmm. The same thing goes for providence, uh, predestination, and election. Mm-hmm. These are deep mysteries, deep mysteries that acknowledge that there is an interaction, deliberation, and relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is equally ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, there is no redundancy, there is no necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, God wasn't moved out of uh, anything outside of Himself, but out of the freedom of His own will and purpose. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit purposed and willed to create, to uh, providentially uh, superintend and um, actively involve in the world of his creation, the worlds of his creation, uh, that engage and follow his purpose of both predestination and election. This is comprehensive. Hmm. Uh, there is no logical necessity that is forced upon God that because God did one thing, then he necessarily must do something else. Right. God is comprehensive. He's not staged in his knowledge or his uh, will. Hmm. And these are big ideas Mm -hmm. that can overwhelm us. We cannot fully grasp them, but we can speak 
to them from Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we have the counsel of God that is a part of his external working outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Creation is outside of himself. Providence mm-hmm. is outside of himself. Mm-hmm. But there is still unrevealed truth about how God does all that. Yeah, yeah. Then in his condescension and in his love and mercy and goodness and his truthfulness and faithfulness, God reveals to us that he is the creator. Mm -hmm. He reveals to us that he is the savior. Uh, And then, of course, the content of scripture Mm -hmm. is what gives the the details. Yeah. So what we're wanting to be careful about is that we don't push back into this orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity ideas um, that Scripture does not validate belonging there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to the point that I don't agree, I don't think that it's biblically accurate to say that God is covenantal in his essence, in Mm -hmm. the essence of his being. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because I believe Scripture delineates for us concepts and elements mm-hmm. that are essential to biblical divine covenant sure. and they don't belong in the inter-trinitarian relationship yeah um yet there is an uh deliberation and a purpose of god that is revealed between the father son and holy spirit that can be identified as condescending and working out in covenant mm. and it, it's my view that the biblical designation for that is the council of peace and reconciliation yeah and that of course that then becomes the substance of the whole article or position paper and what we will be detailing uh in in much uh discussion in the episodes to come yeah yeah good good um and not to jump ahead of ourselves a little bit but um so we already see maybe how this might pay off in 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 hopefully a consistent um, doctrine of the Trinity and a consistent formulation of covenant theology. Um, are there are some other payoffs that, that, um, that maybe work out in, uh, in, in other ways as well in our theology. And, and, and as we think about, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, as we think about how this um, influences uh, our faith and our practice, Well, we hinted at uh, some things when we started this uh, episode, episode Mm. two, uh, and that is seeing the consistency Mm. of God's revealed purpose. Um, When we get into, for example, the original uh, covenant uh, with God had with creation and with Adam and Eve before the fall, and one of the things we'll talk about is that Adam was a king priest. Well, Mm -hmm. The connection with that, particularly with the Council of Peace, is the reconciliation and restoring of that lost mm. uh, relationship mm. and that that lost privilege uh, in the original covenant. When uh, we find the Lord Jesus as the last Adam, who is a king priest, mm. uh, and the new covenant, and then the promise of Scripture that we are exalted and elevated through Christ in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, and uh, uh, as the the uh, bride of Christ, the church, we are <laughs> elevated to king-priest, mm. uh, to the service of God. And so 
I don't know that you can be more practical <laughs> or more excited mm-hmm. by connecting those dots and what yeah. the reconciliation yeah. is of that those two offices of king and priest in one. And then when you see that pattern of covenant that you and I were talking about and the elements there, when you see them directly and specifically applied to the Lord Jesus Christ in his mediatorial role mm-hmm. and his uh, office as prophet, priest, and king for the restoration mm-hmm. and for the um, improvement of the new covenant better mm-hmm. and and more assured mm-hmm. than what was originally offered to Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going through those things, I uh, we already mentioned the fact that uh, in God's covenantal pledges, Baptism replaces circumcision. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord's Supper replaces um, the Passover. Mm-hmm. Not only do they replace, they enlarge right. the benefits. Right, right, yeah. Um, that, I mean, again, why the writer of the Hebrews says it's a better covenant with better promises. Right, right. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. I think also, as we recognize the, the wonder of the Holy Trinity, that brings us back to the centrality of the incarnation mm. um, and to the uh, incarnation, the resurrection, and the glorification mm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is within God's covenantal purpose and will that it's made known to us. Yeah. And so in the fulfillment you know, of the covenant, mm-hmm. um, it helps us to identify how that the, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God's only begotten Son, is not subordinate. He mm. in no way is lesser mm. uh, in terms of God the Father, mm-hmm. but rather we see the voluntary nature mm. of his condescension mm-hmm. and that within the context uh, and elements of the covenant. Mm. So it identifies for us and helps us from going astray in right. various doctrines of Christology. Right. Yeah. Um, these you know these doctrines, these headings of systematic and biblical theology are aids to us mm-hmm. in our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So again, we're not just intellectualizing here and are, are, are trying to get you know some kind of one-upmanship on mm-hmm. other faithful and sound ministers and teachers and theologians. We're wanting to improve. We're wanting to uh, refine mm-hmm. and clarify. Right. Um, yeah. And of yeah. course, I hope that comes across. And I know that's a challenge. I know that it's going to be upsetting to say, well, I disagree with, yeah. you know, someone whom I greatly respect and mm-hmm. like a mosquito, you know, kicking a, a, an elephant. But <laughs> I, I think that, you know, we need to test these things with scripture, yeah. uh, like the Bereans. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, here's the apostle Paul, but they tested these things with scripture and he commended them for that. Yeah. And so we want to have that same kind of humility, yeah. but at the same time to search out and want to make good application and, and to further and deepen our resolve mm-hmm. uh, in terms of our Christian faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I have another question, um, just kind of uh, thinking about this being, you know, an apology, a, a reasoned defense. Um, and I'm sure you probably come across pushback every now and again, particularly when you get into this level of discussion about the Trinity and, at extra categories, at intra categories, and and particularly when you when you make statements that you know there is an unknowability to God as he in, as he is in himself, um, 
some of the pushback comes as, you know, well, that seems then that that God is unrelatable to us. Um, and and if I cannot know him in himself, then it's not really worth knowing anything about him. And so the pushback sometimes comes as like that that's gotta be a deficient approach to God. Um and uh I wonder is would it be worth maybe engaging that a little bit because we are going to be talking about some of these um some of these categories and saying they're actually quite significant um and and essential in uh to maintain them um would you have a a good way to engage and respond to a criticism like that well i guess it would be two points that i would make one is that we are bound to revelation mm-hmm to know anything about God. We are bound by general revelation, which scripture tells us is sufficient to reveal that God exists and that God is the creator. There are certain corollaries that go with that, with any kind of reasoned uh, discussion Mm -hmm. as God as creator. And then scripture tells us that there is the necessity of special revelation that comes through the inscriptured word and through the incarnation uh, of God's only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the, the witness and of course, the transforming um, uh, conviction mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in a supernatural mm-hmm. uh, necessity uh, for the mind of Christ. And so when we talk about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, we must submit to the revelation that God has given that he tells us is sufficient in creation Mm-hmm. and in the special revelation of his uh, plan of salvation mm-hmm. and through the perfect revealer of God the Father, and that is the only begotten Son of God who uh, took upon himself union with the human nature of the man Jesus, the God-man, Jesus the Christ. And as such, um, we then, through the power and witness of the Holy Spirit of God, are convinced um, so I don't think, and my doctrinal position is, you cannot reason someone to the faith. Sure, yeah. And and I know in terms of some of the uh, questions and the desires to reformulate or to rethink the doctrine of the Trinity in such a way that we uh, make God more accessible mm-hmm. or we, we speak of God in terms that are more relatable. Mm-hmm. Well, Scripture does that in anthropomorphisms. Mm-hmm. And we understand the nature of Scripture. I mean, one of the things we talked about last time was that the reality of the Holy Trinity confounds over-literalizing Scripture. Mm-hmm. So because mm-hmm. we know about the nature of God from the revelation of God, when anthropomorphisms are used about God's almighty power and His arm is not a weakened that He cannot save or you know some other... Uh, anthropomorphisms that God's eyes uh, goes to to and fro in the earth. Uh, Everything is open and naked to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So these ways of these ways of uh, God revealing himself to us Mm -hmm. um, I think help to keep us in bounds Mm -hmm. from speculation. Sure. And there's yeah. a danger of our reading back into 
whether it be the Holy Trinity or covenant or whatever, Mm -hmm. our own ideas Mm. and wanting to build a system based upon that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the dangers, particularly in terms of the Trinitarian debates and uh, doctrine and our Orthodox Trinitarian uh, categories is that we don't inadvertently uh, end up with a tritheism. Right. That that was the point about if we try to over-literalize the, the reality of the Trinity, then, you know, the criticism has come that, oh, well, there's three gods. Right. Or on the other hand, that we then so connect God with his creative activities that we become pantheists, that God mm-hmm. is in his creation right. rather right. than distinct from it. Yeah. So... Again, this is not just intellectualizing. Mm-hmm. We're not here trying to drum up uh, speculations <laughs> and uh, uh, disputes. I, you know, controversies. I don't. I don't believe help found us in our Christian faith. Con- controversies help clarify, right? Yeah, the things that we need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if that. I'm not sure if that was uh, along the lines of what you were thinking. No, yeah, it was. It was um, because I, I do think, um, you know, some of the uh, different approaches to this very question of how do you how do you relate, you know, the Trinity um, foundational uh, theology to something like covenant. Um, it does get into questions of have have we faithfully and in in the best way have we really formulated the doctrine of the trinity um in in a in the best way and so like you said there are some challenges to um orthodox trinitarian thought that uh we've been faced with even in in, you know recent years um in the church and uh and that's one of them is is our classic formulation of the trinity is 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 uh deficient because it's unrelatable um Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that comes into play a little bit um, in this conversation, and and need a good a good way I think to to maybe defend that um, and relate it back to um, the issues that we'll be talking about in terms of covenant theology, and um, so that kind of gets gets us back a bit to some of the particular topics that we'll be addressing, and and maybe to finish out this uh, this last part of this apology. Could you zero back in on some of the particular um, uh, categories and particular headings and topics that 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 we're going to want to unpack and defend? And um, and then you've got um, uh, a really good quote by Voss that's here in this in this uh, section of the apology as well um, that I think does a good job of speaking to some of these particulars um, and uh, and maybe setting them in context as well. So to okay. round us out here, could you do that? Sure. Um, I do want to follow up with what you just said about the disputes, debates, and even somewhat current mm-hmm. attempts to, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of relational or social Trinitarian views. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I see, I think that our uh, exposition of the covenant mm. really does answer those con- right. concerns because right. what we're saying is that covenant is the means of mm-hmm. God's condescension mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. his works. Mm-hmm. What What is behind the means of God's condescension is his will and purpose. Right, right. And, yeah. and what is made known to us in terms of his will and purpose are in categories that are within the inner Trinitarian uh, 
uh, deliberation, the mm-hmm. inter-Trinitarian relationship, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a relationship that is um, wonderfully manifest and declared to us through Scripture as uh, essential mm-hmm. to God's very nature in his ethical attributes. Mm-hmm. I mean, those communicable attributes. Mm-hmm. God shares love with us. God shares truth mm-hmm. with us. God shares faithfulness with us. God shares holiness with us. And then mm-hmm. to acknowledge the otherness of God with joy mm-hmm. and in full heart mm-hmm. of faith and belief of what Abraham said, the God of all the universe will do what's right. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. that's what we're called to in terms of our Orthodox Christian faith and the Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity within that faith, and that is to believe God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my desire is that through this um, conversation about the relationship between the Holy Trinity and covenant theology is that our faith be built up. Mm-hmm in the trustworthiness and the delight and the joy and the love of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are details I hope will become the most important yeah. as we weave through and try to refine and explain some of these necessary details. So mm, yeah. what what uh, I guess in summation uh, I'm saying is that covenant is not of the essence, mm-hmm. nor is it an attribute of God. Mm-hmm. Covenant is not a decree of God. Mm-hmm. Covenant is the means of God's condescension, making known to us his um, love and then also his saving purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that necessitates our revisiting some of the terminology mm-hmm. that has been used and and maybe is not as um, consistent and, and adds some confusion. Sure. Uh, so we want to present a reformulation of a covenant theological schema that is in order with the Orthodox doctrine of the Holy Trinity um, and that is biblically founded using the terms of Scripture and the definitions Mm -hmm. or uh, descriptions and applications of Scripture uh, and then develop that as it relates to uh, our Christian faith. And Mm -hmm. let me say this, uh, one of the things... From years, you know, I served in the pastorate for over forty years, so I did a lot of preaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, from time to time, you know, I would come across this um, sort of challenge, or often it was presented as a as sort of an inquiry, and that was the idea of um, we want practical preaching. Right. We want practical preaching. Mm-hmm. Well, what I understood over time, which I'd understood it earlier, uh, (laughs) is that really what was being asked there was prescription. Mm -hmm. We want you to tell us, go do three things. Mm -hmm. You want want to tell us, you know, give us a program, give Mm -hmm. us a plan that we can do these steps, you know, that's not practical. That's prescriptive. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's not supported biblically. Mm -hmm. Um, What Mm -hmm. is practical is that which informs us. Mm. Uh, what holy wisdom literature in the scripture talks about and and oftentimes is repetitive, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is useful, mm-hmm. and that is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Mm. That's practical. Mm. When we are informed, when our information is connected mm. with the purpose and with the intent of that which pleases God, mm. then we're wise. Mm. We grow in grace and knowledge and wisdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So 
the purpose of this discussion for season two about the Holy Trinity and uh, covenant theology and even getting into some disagreements or trying to reassess mm-hmm. or realign mm-hmm. some of our uh, terminology historically that, that we've used is that we might be informed, that we might have knowledge, a knowledge that is connected from the Holy Scripture, and that from that then we begin to understand and see the unfolding plan of God, mm-hmm. and that we are wise and we are not led astray, or that we are not fooled, mm-hmm. or that uh, we don't get on our own hobby horse. Right. You right. know? Yeah. Um, to, that, so, to that point, Dad, I, I want to add, so I remember you telling me this a long time ago, but... Um, to, to the to the reaction I guess to um, maybe impractical <laughs> uh, preaching or or impractical teaching um, I do think that is uh, I understand where it's coming from but I don't think it's it's necessarily warranted um, all the time and um, remember one one of the things that you've said to me that it was that sometimes the doctrine and oftentimes actually, the doctrine, the teaching, is the application, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, and and it's not necessarily that. Believe this, you have to... <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, believe this, <laughs> right? And um, and so I do think, partly because uh, we're just influenced by the um, the the very practical, or sort of like you know three steps or you know, seven steps to this or that approach. Um, we, we expect the same kind of thing. We've come to expect the same kind of thing in our discipleship. And, um, and we can be a little disappointed when it doesn't seem to be that straightforward. Um, and, uh, and I think it does take sort of a reorientation and a, a read a discipline, I think of our own minds mm-hmm. and our own hearts, um, mm-hmm. to be able to say, no, these kinds of conversations and these discussions, um, sometimes they are the point. And the the being informed in our faith about these things, that is the application. Um and uh and allow God to uh to build us up in wisdom from from that. And um mm-hmm. and I think as we continue to to have this discussion and have these conversations, and particularly as we as we as we bring scripture to bear um on uh on on several of these uh, topics and discussions, it'll be clear that, um, you know, scripture has a particular way of informing us about these things. Um, and, um, it can be very deep. Uh, it can be challenging and, and difficult, uh, but it's there in, in, in scripture. Um, mm-hmm. and so it must be beneficial, um, and good for us. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add, add my part in there and, and, um, and then, uh, let's go ahead and, and try to wrap up, um, and uh, and anticipate our next conversation. Okay, let me uh, reference something that you said last week or last uh, episode, episode one. Uh, that had mm-hmm. to do with the popularization of covenant and how it mm-hmm. can become agenda driven. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the things we want to avoid. I mean, yeah. you could say the same thing in in pastime gospel. Yeah. Gospel became yeah. an operative word that right. that lost its meaning. Right, you know, uh, and so covenant is the same challenge is mm-hmm. that uh, it's just sort of redefined into the idea of promise right. and then it becomes whatever I want to to uh assure that God promised me right you know yeah. and so it's really cut loose from its biblical moorings 
Right. Uh, and that's why, again, we think that this is a valuable study to enhance and to found us and to guard us in our Christian faith, mm-hmm. uh, to walk circumspectly, to be on our guard, mm-hmm. to watch out for um, misleading Sometimes unintentional, sometimes intentional. Sure, uh, yeah. you know matters within the visible church. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, hopefully more of that will come out as we go through the conversations. Yeah. But uh, you had mentioned the the quotation by Doctor Voss, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is just powerful, and and it will be probably the summation of mm-hmm. really of this whole thesis yeah, is yeah. in this quotation from Dr. Voss uh, from the Doctrine of the Covenant and Reformed Theology. Dr. Voss uh, wrote, in predestination, now remember predestination is considered decree, mm-hmm. the decree of God. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, the in predestination, the divine persons act communally, while economically, and economically here he's making a distinction between the intra and extra uh, relationship of God uh, what we sometimes refer to as the ontological and mm-hmm. economic trinity. Right. We'll get to some discussion about that. Yeah. But so he writes, while economically uh, it is attributed to the Father in reference to the outworking of God's mm-hmm. decree, mm-hmm. in the covenant of redemption or pactum salutis, the compact of salvation, they are related to one another judicially. That is, the holy persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to one another judicially because that's a component of our salvation. Mm. In predestination, the decree, there is one undivided divine will. In the council of peace, this will appears as having its own mode of existence Mm. in each person. Mm -hmm. And as I said, that quotation from Dr. Uh, Voss is probably the summary Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the defense mm-hmm. of the approach that uh, we'll be discussing about uh, the Holy Trinity and covenant theology. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, um, that was great. I hope um, that we've been able to give a reasoned defense for why this um, topic of season two is an important one and, and and why it will be necessary to spend several episodes in this season to discuss it. And, um, and hopefully <clears throat> the way we've, uh, uh, presented this will pique your interest and, um, and you'll be wanting, uh, to delve into it a bit more. Um, I know, you know, I've got a lot more questions, um, and, uh, just really interested in, um, getting a bit deeper into this as we discuss more and more, um, in the, in the days to come. So thanks for, um, for uh, giving us that uh, reasoned defense. And if you are interested in reading it uh, in full, you can access it on the website, uh, ncconvo.com. And you can go to our articles section there um, to read that. Um, We'll be posting uh, some more sections of that full position paper that you've written, Dad, um, as we as we do some more episodes. I was also wondering um, it might be a good idea to um, to have the the full paper accessible, uh, maybe as a um, on the website at some point, so you wouldn't have to surf through the articles to get to get it in full. So we might end up at some point putting the full thing on there as one standalone article as well. Um, I think that would be the goal. Yeah. Uh, at, at this juncture, we're just sort of introducing it. We're taking um, 
through the various stages. For example, we finished the apology. Mm-hmm. In our next conversation, we'll go to the abstract, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is an attention getter because it kind of takes the main points, mm-hmm. and I hope that they will be like, uh, some wow <laughs> points in there sure. uh, that would uh, be of interest. And and to those, if there are those listening that have uh, more familiarity with the discussions uh, at this level in terms of covenant theology, mm-hmm. uh, they would find interaction mm-hmm. with these um, these uh, concepts and mm-hmm. these uh, ideas and some of the disagreements or disputes that uh, go on uh, relative to this. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, and to that, um, yeah, if you're interested in engaging in that, um, feel free to uh, hit us up on Facebook, um, the Facebook page at NC Convo. Um, yeah, if uh, there are questions or if uh, even you have different resources and um, or your own ideas, uh, feel free to engage there. Um, other than that, I think uh, that's all I've got to, to end us on this episode, unless you have anything else to add there, Dad. Nope. I'll say uh, sign off with Doxotheo. Glory to God. Okay. All right. And uh, we'll speak with you next time. 